Welcome to Answer the Call. I'm your host and go-to career coach, Kelsey Kemp. You're tuning in to the Job Library series, which is a bingeable collection of to-the-point interviews with a vast variety of professionals to help you gain the exposure and detailed info you need to find a career path that'll fit you like a glove. In this episode, you'll be hearing from my friend, Nathan Schaub. He's a management consultant at Credera, a boutique, aka relatively small, consulting firm in Dallas. This episode is paired with my interview with Taylor Arndt, who is a strategy consultant with a large consulting firm called Accenture. I did this so you could learn more about the differences between working in a strategy, management, or technology consulting role, all different, as well as the main differences between working for a global consulting firm versus a smaller consulting firm with a more local client focus. As you'll hear between these two interviews, it's a little bit different. So it'll help you make a more meaningful decision uh, as to which path you want to go if indeed you're interested in a career as a consultant. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Nathan Schaub. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for joining me to share your experience about working in um, consulting for a smaller firm, one that (laughs) from all that I've heard is so wonderful as we have many friends that work alongside you. And so I'm very excited to hear about your experience and what it's like to work at a smaller consulting firm versus Taylor Arndt's perspective that I got for um, one of the behemoths that she happens to consult for. So welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on the podcast. Yay. Well, let's dig right in. Tell me, when did you graduate college and what did you earn your degree in? So I graduated in 2016 from Texas A&M. I majored in uh, supply chain management there. So within the business school in Mays. (laughs) Same and same and same. So that's cool. So tell me about what your career progression has been like and what roles you've held um, since graduating college. Yeah, so uh, I started with Credera, which is a boutique management technology consulting firm headquartered in Dallas. I started with them right out of college uh, in the beginning of 2017. So I've been there a little over three years now. I started as a consultant in the management consulting practice, and now I'm a senior consultant there. Um, yeah, it's been a, been a great three years. I've, I've really loved everything I've gotten to do there at Credera. It seems like everyone who works there just has a perma smile on their face. <laughs> so I'm very curious about how that happens. Um, but what are the different variations or specialties that you could pursue in consulting? Well, I guess specifically for Credera. Yeah, so we break things down at Credera Um, kind of in terms of what we focus on internally versus externally. So internally, the way we are lined up is we have our management consulting practice, which is where most of your business majors coming out of college would fit and a lot of engineers as well. Then we have our technology practices. So we have a handful of different technology practices focusing on things from specific, you know, Microsoft products to cloud to architecture to cybersecurity uh, and data analytics. And then we also have a user experience practice. So that's going to be focused more on the creative side. Um, what does a brand look like? Uh, how do we present things in a, in a friendly way to users? So that's how we organize ourselves uh, internally. And then the way we present ourselves externally to our clients is we have different service offerings. And 
something that I think is really unique about Credera and I really like the way we do it is that each time we're doing a project with a client, very often we're pulling a handful of people from each of the practices internally to all tackle the problem for the client together. So it's fairly rare that you have a project that is just people from our Microsoft practice or just people from management consulting even. Often it'll be two people from management consulting and one person from data and analytics and one person from user experience and we all work together to, to solve the problem. That really is unique uh, because, well, I'll speak from my experience. I was a consultant at one of the big four firms and um, oftentimes we, my specialty group in emerging technology consulting, um, especially in application development, um, it was about 30 people and we would almost always be grouped just from those 30 people in a 200 300,000 person firm. Um, so it really is unique and very cool to have multifunctional teams. Um, we would usually only get that experience if it was a larger client and they actually hired a pod of technology consultants and then a pod of, let's say, change management consultants. So that's super cool, that more collaborative um, cross-functional efforts that y'all get to work on together. I'm very curious to hear about what you feel the primary differences are between working at a very large firm, let's say one of the big four accounting firms, which I realize I haven't explained that on this podcast. Maybe not everyone is familiar with that lingo. The big four accounting firms, or they're really a professional services firm. So it, they have a couple different branches. They're primarily known for their accounting arm of the business, um, but they also have consulting, um, risk assurance, tax, all this stuff. Um, so anyway, <laughs> quick pause to explain that. Consultants are very bad about lingo <laughs> that they don't actually explain. So back to you on what you feel the difference is between a smaller firm and working at a bigger firm. You know, I think that the bigger firms and the smaller firms, there's a reason that both of them exist. I think they have very unique and necessary facets within our business environment. I think the biggest things that you see, though, in terms of the big firms versus the smaller firms is the client mix and the types of projects that they work on. So it makes sense, but you think a bigger firm, you know, the Deloitte's, the PwC's, the KPMG's, the EY's, Accenture, mm -hmm. however you want to lump them all together, the, you know, they're going to get the Fortune 500. They're going to primarily work with very large revenue uh, brands or brands that have, you know, received some sort of venture capital funding. So those projects tend to, the, the clients tend to be larger. The, the project teams themselves tend to be larger. Whereas you find with a boutique firm like Crudera, for instance, um, we actually kind of cover the whole gambit. So we'll work with firms that only have a few dozen employees all the way up to, you know, uh, you know, I'm working for a fortune 500 brand right now. So we kind of cover the whole range there. And um, I would say our sweet spot tends to be, you know, a little bit lower down the list than what uh, a big four or one of the larger firms is. And then I think also in terms of just the project types that you get to work on. So uh, a larger firm is going to do the really huge projects. So the five-year implementation of a large software like SAP or Salesforce or a change management project that's going to cover, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of employees, projects like that. Whereas at a firm like Credera, 
I've worked on, you know, most of my project teams are 10 people or fewer. Uh, I've worked on several freelance projects, including my current one where I'm the only person from Crudera on the project. So you get this real variety, but they also, they tend to be on the smaller size. Um, and then I think what you were alluding to earlier is you tend in a larger firm to have your pod or your group that you do everything with and you move from client to client delivering similar types of work, similar projects. Whereas at a smaller firm, uh, we don't have as much specialization, especially at the lower levels in the firm. So you end up working on a wide variety of projects from the technology side of the house, all the way to the pure strategy, to the change management and everything in between. And it requires a lot more flexibility. You're working with different people than you've worked with before. Uh, so you don't necessarily get the same pod. So if you're looking for more of the consistency or building a real specialization, the bigger firm is a good fit. If you want a lot of variety, different project styles and teams, then the smaller firms might be a better fit. Hmm. Actually, looking back, I'm like, huh, seems like the variety would have been super exciting for someone like me. Um, and honestly, might be more of what people think of when they say talk about consulting like oh i want to be on a new project traveling somewhere different um solving some huge problem as like a 22 year old <laughs> uh, and change it up every month or so um but like you're saying um from my experience at a large firm i was staffed on one to five year projects. Um, of course, seeing that I had a two year tenure there, I didn't see all of those through, but I got a couple different varieties. Um, but for you, what is the uh, average length of project, if there is any average? You know, uh, the the classic consulting answer is always it depends. But oh, yes, if, it's if, so true. If, if if I had to give you know a rough number, probably in the four to six month range is okay. a more typical project at Crudera. Uh, I've worked on ones that were as short as six. I think I've been on two different six week projects, and I was on one for about a year and a half. So there's there is that variety, but I would say about the four to six months is typical. Mm. If you're willing, would you share a couple different descriptors of the types of projects you've been working on, like what the aim of that project was? Yeah, so uh, when I first started at Crudera, the first couple of projects I was on were closer to the pure strategy side. So the first one was helping do some uh, strategy around corporate planning, did loyalty strategy for an entertainment company. Uh, did a technology strategy with an oil and gas. So that was where I, I started. And um, that technology strategy project actually launched me into a longer tail with uh, helping them implement that strategy. So then it led more towards vendor selection for large software uh, and negotiating that contract through an RFP. Then that's uh, transitioned and it's actually been a lot of fun. I've gotten to use my supply chain background now in a couple of process optimization projects. So going in and helping a client map out what their current process is, identifying where the pain points are and where we can optimize those, whether it's through um, technology or just restructuring the whole process. And then the last couple of projects I've been on have been more on overall project management. So leading um, you know, a whole project team. The current one I'm on is deploying a new software at a transportation company. And so leading a, a mixed team from the client and from the vendor who's supplying the new software. 
that sounds really, really cool. Uh, super fascinating. What does a typical career progression look like for a firm the size of yours? I, I feel that they're generally similar. Of course, you're just speaking to Cordera, but um, like number of years and the roles and what it looks like to climb up the ladder. Yeah, most, most consulting firms, at least in my experience, are fairly similar because uh, consultants swap around between the different firms quite a bit. So, you know, there's a lot of former big four consultants who are at Credera, and so the career progression matches pretty nicely. It tends to be about three years at each level on average, and there's six total levels at Credera. So if you're just mapping it out, it's about 15-ish years from you know entering as a new college grad towards being at one of the higher higher level equity partners in the firm. Mm, yeah, it really does look the same as you're saying between firms. Um, I definitely also witnessed that interchangeable. Like I'm just going to move over to this consulting firm. Um, what does your typical day in the life look like? Yeah, it again the the classic it depends piece, but. I think an easy way to think of it is that each project tends to have different phases. So uh, take a typical strategy project. It would have the first phase would be something of an assessment. The second one would be developing. And then the third would be implementation. So during that first phase where you're assessing, it's going to be look like a lot of client interviews where you're meeting with people, just trying to understand the situation. You're reading all the documentation they're providing to you. So it's very much a fact gathering phase. Um, it, that one tends to be a little bit more monotonous if you're just, you're just really trying to understand what in the world's going on and then document it as clearly as you can. Uh, then during that second phase develop, that's more where people get their idea. I think of consultants is it's a bunch of people in a room with whiteboards and sticky notes and they're ideating and problem solving. And for, for the problem solvers, that's the really fun phase is you just get to throw all the ideas out there and figure out how they might work. And then that last phase is where the rubber meets the road of you're going back to the client saying, hey, here's kind of all the ideas we've got, but we want to figure out how we can practically make this happen. And so that is where it gets very collaborative with the client of uh, lots of meetings to see, okay, in your world, how would this look? Uh, you know, what would this, how much time would this take? Who would need to be involved? Those sorts of things. Um, and I think the key with any consulting project is uh, oftentimes we have deliverables that we have to give to the client at the end. And the temptation is just to give those and view that project is done. But real success as consultants is what they're able to do with a project. If it just sits on a desk somewhere and it never goes farther with the company that, you know, that's, I view that as failure, but so we want to do whatever we can to during that implementation phase, start knocking out items for our clients or really just set them up for success that they can use it in the future. Within that um, really great description. Thank you for, it's so cool to hear these different phases of the project that you're able to experience. Um, and I'm curious, if you just had this bank of tasks that is wrapped up within those different phases, what would you say some of the tasks are that take up the majority of your time if you looked back over the yeah. last three years? Yeah, the biggest one I would say is building presentations is mm -hmm. so much of our time is spent collecting facts, gathering ideas, create, you know, developing plans and strategies. But 
a plan and a strategy is only as good as the wrapper that goes around it and can someone who's never seen it before consume it quickly. So, I mean, we spend a lot of time developing presentations and materials and it's never to be flashy or to get some sort of response. It's just that communication is the number one thing that we do. It's we come up with ideas and then we have to communicate it clearly. And if we fail on that, then the whole project is a waste. So the majority of our time truly is spent developing presentation materials or leave behinds that someone who's never been familiar with the project could read it, understand our ideas and what they need to do with it. Um, so that's probably the biggest bucket. The past couple of projects I've been on that are more in project management. I spend a lot of time in meetings trying to coordinate all the different resources. So the project I'm on right now, for instance, where we're working with people from multiple companies. I spend a lot of time trying to make sure that we understand exactly where we are on the roadmap to completing the project, that everyone is you know, getting their things done, making sure that everyone's communicating if there's any issues or roadblocks. So this one is very different from previous projects I've been on in that I don't spend a lot of time creating deliverables, but I spend a lot of time making sure lines of communication are always open that we're tracking towards hitting all the deadlines um, mm. that we've committed to. <laughs> that is the life of a consultant for many, collecting information, communicating it to all the right people, putting it into a PowerPoint. I felt like I just lived in PowerPoint for two years <laughs> or yeah. whatever presentation material. Or yeah, PowerPoint and, uh, and Excel. It's, it, it's not typically very complex solutions that we're using, but uh, knowing the right way to use them and be effective with them is really critical. It is. Hey there, if you're listening to this episode right now, it's probably because you're somewhere on the range of mildly curious to high-key desperate to find a career path that will be an amazing, rewarding, and exciting fit for you. If indeed you are still holding out hope that that's even possible, which I can assure you is completely possible as I've given dozens of Christians one, a reformed view of work from mundane responsibility to actually the joyful gift that it is, two, help identifying their unique calling, and three, the help they need to practically land the job that's aligned with it. If it sounds like a dream to have a tried and true career coach come alongside you to help you confidently discern which career path you're called to pursue amidst the infinite sea of options that are so overwhelming, as well as help you nail all the practicals like networking, resumes, interviews, and negotiations to save you a load of time, stress, and dead-end job applications that are just seemingly such a common experience. They don't have to be. If any of that sounds extremely exciting, then I want to invite you to apply for my deep dive career coaching experience. Go to my website, kelseykemp.com coaching to learn more and book a free 30 minute consultation with me this week to objectively evaluate if this opportunity is the perfect fit to help you work through whatever might be holding you back so you could fulfill the vision and hopes you have for your career. I want to let you know I only work with people who are ready to go deep, 
do the work and actually make a change once the path is made clear to them. So if that sounds like you and if you're serious and if you're ready to accelerate your path to building a meaningful and impactful career aligned with who God uniquely made you to be and what he put on your heart to do, then go to kelseykemp.com coaching to book a free consultation with me this week and learn more. Okay, now back to the episode. Tell me what you enjoy the most about your job. I mean, the reason that I joined consulting out of college was I really love to help people. For me, that's, that's where I get so much of my joy in life is just um, is being able to help, help people with the resources that I have. Uh, and people don't pay consultants to come in because things are working great they pay consultants to come in because they need help solving a problem. Either they don't have the time or the expertise to solve themselves. So, I mean, every day when I'm going to my client, I'm getting to help people. And I just love that. And I love the problem solving aspect. You know, you're always learning. You're always having to use critical thinking skills. It's uh, yeah, it's never boring. There's never a dull day. Well, that's not necessarily true. (laughs) Some of the activities are boring, but the overall structure around it is never boring. You can always find something to learn, something to be creative with. And then I really enjoy the pace of the work. I mean, the variety, I think I've worked in more than 10 different industries in my first three years in consulting. I mean, the, the experience that you get is just incredible. And, and I truly love the pace of the work of, there's so much variety. It, uh, yeah, it really just never gets boring. And at the end of the day, I love the people that I get to work with at Credera. They're really special to me. A lot of my really good friends work there with me. Uh, so I just love the camaraderie that, that we get from working on all these projects together. What would you say the culture is like at your firm? Uh, the, our old CEO used to always call us a high-functioning family. And, uh, and I really see that as, you know, we hold each other accountable. We really believe in excellence and doing everything to, to the best possible standard, but yeah, it really does have a family feel around our culture. Uh, culture is so hard to define and lots of people have tried to do it at our firm over the years. I remember, I guess about a year and a half ago, we did this whole blog series on what our culture was like. And even after the blog series was over, we still found it didn't really quite capture it. It's just so hard to, to wrap your mind around it if you're not there. But, you know, these are people that I love to go to work with. And I know so many friends who they tolerate their coworkers at the very best. But these are people who, I mean, during this coronavirus time where I'm working from home, you know, I miss them dearly, getting to see them on a regular basis. And um but yeah, at the end of the day, I, I really do think high-functioning family captures a lot of what our culture is like. That's very, very, very special. What are the hours like, um, typically, for you? Yeah, in terms of consulting, I would say it's probably not the norm. Uh, I work a fairly standard you know, 8.30 to 5.30 sort of routine most weeks. Obviously, with consulting, something you know, if you have a deliverable or a timeline coming up, you have to put in extra hours. But I think they say that the average hours that people work at Credera is something like the 45 to 50 hour a week range, which is 
really reasonable and in a big draw, even if Crudera for me was that travel was not, uh, it, you couldn't just expect that every single project you were going to be traveling to a new place on. Uh, as a boutique consulting firm, it's more of a hybrid model. So I think I've traveled on about half my projects and the travel has been pretty light in terms of two to three days every other week sort of thing. Um, so it's been enough where it's been fun without being, you know, that I'm missing out on my life in Dallas. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's pretty amazing. Uh, and from all that I've experienced in all <laughs> the vast array of friends that we have uh, at different consulting firms, that is very unique to have such a, a light travel schedule where you still get to experience it, but it's not like Sunday or Monday to Thursday, uh, every single week for months. Um, that's pretty special. And also 8.30, 5.30, let me echo, that's, that's pretty spectacular. And from all that I've heard, that's a huge draw um, and difference between a larger consulting firm and a smaller one that is able to, well, for one reason or another, um, have a bit more standard uh, I would say reasonable hours. Um, so pretty special. What do you feel is a little less glamorous about the job or what, if you could, what do you do without? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mentioned some of it earlier, but there are definitely the consulting has this very glamorous sound to it. You know, you're a strategy consultant or you're a management consultant but there's a lot of it that is just grunt work that you have to do. It's just like any other job of you are cranking out Excel spreadsheets or you're creating a PowerPoint. Um, and especially at the lower levels in the firm, oftentimes you're taking someone, you know, a manager or senior manager's ideas and putting them on paper. So, you know, those aspects aren't as glamorous. I think that's where it's really important to keep in mind the big picture of, you know, I'm helping me creating the slide and reformatting it over and over again is actually a value add and it's going to help our client get better. Um, I, you know, another not as glamorous side can be the travel. And I think that's true for any consultant is there's times when the travel is fun, but then there's also times when you just rather be home. Uh, and obviously everyone's getting to be at home right now. So it's very, it'll be very interesting to see how, travel balances shift uh, at the end of COVID-19. And I mean, I think the, the last piece would probably be just that the hours aren't as predictable. There's been quite a few times where you, you just have to hold your plans loosely of I may schedule a dinner with somebody and then, you know, text them, hey, I'm sorry, but actually I'm going to be working late tonight. I'm not going to be able to slip away. So I think if you're willing to be a little bit flexible, I would say the rewards way yeah, surpass any of the cons, but there are definitely those moments that, uh, that can be drags. Mm -hmm, definitely. It was a huge shock to me for the first about six months of my consulting experience. Um, and of course, this does not speak for everyone, but it, if someone would have told me that they had an experience like mine, I would have been very surprised. Um, so maybe it's worth mentioning the first six months or so, I actually didn't even feel like I was using my college education. Like I was, like you were saying, shuffling around elements on a PowerPoint slide and actually doing like data entry. <laughs> and I thought, what the heck? Is this why I worked so hard in college? But then 
I definitely bit my tongue after those six months were up, got the training wheels off and I was trusted with a huge project. And then I thought, oh gosh, (laughs) I wouldn't mind going back to the data entry every once in a while. Um, So that variation is very real. Of course, you get trusted with higher and higher level work as time goes on. But that was quite surprising to me for all the flashiness and talk that goes on about consulting. Like you have to be the smartest person in the room, like uh, all this stuff. And then your first, every once in a while, or maybe just your first couple of months, you might be experiencing pretty mundane work. Um, But it's certainly not worthless. And I really like how you kind of had a, a flash of mentioning you saw the purpose and it was a value add to Uh, reform your communication materials, whether that's aligning things on a PowerPoint slide, you saw that it did add value to the client. So that's a great perspective to have. I think it's it's always important to remember that, you know, especially as a new college graduate, you really don't have a lot to offer as of yet to a consulting project. I mean, I think the, the, you know, web uh, Webster's sort of definition of consulting is providing expert advice on a specific subject and you don't have expert advice your first couple of weeks out of college to suddenly just take you know a fortune 500 firm to the next level so Definitely those, not. <laughs> first, those first months even though they are mundane and you're just moving things around on a powerpoint I mean you're learning the skills you're seeing how consulting works. I mean, you are just, you're, you're taking a senior manager's ideas who's been doing this for 15 or 20 years and you're really just getting to learn from them. Of like, this is what actually works in a real business environment as opposed to a classroom. This is how executives talk to each other and communicate. This is what you have to do to get an idea from start to finish uh, and bring people on board along the way. And really after you look up six months or a year in, it's, it's hard to remember what day one was like because you just learn so much along the way. But at that point, you really are feeling confident enough that you could go into most consulting situations and have something valuable to say. Well said, definitely. There's so much to observe as you're um, supporting someone higher up, potentially through mundane tasks. Um, Goodness, I got kind of caught in a memory there for a second. The very first day I walked into full-time employment with the company that I also interned with, just rolled up onto the scene, went straight into a meeting in which all these executives were screaming at each other. And I thought, welcome to consulting. It definitely wasn't that dramatic as time went on, but I thought that was a hilarious start. Well, I had to see the humor in it, but I was a little scared. Um, Anyway, um, what type of person do you think would be a great fit for a job like yours? I mean, I'll start with this. We did a survey of the management consulting practice a while back and of our strengths finders. And I believe the majority of us had achiever somewhere in our top five strengths. And I mean, really, it is a lot of type A go-getter personalities who end up in consulting just because of the pace of the work, the, the constant change. You're always having to prove your value every time you get to a new client. So it can be really rigorous and demanding. Uh, So you get a lot of those people who are achiever types. But I really think anybody who is willing to, has the grit to work hard and loves to learn would be a great fit in consulting. I mean, those those are really the key 
personality traits that you have to have beyond just being generally flexible and, and able to go with the flow. I mean, I really feel like if you have all those things, then you would be a great fit for consulting. Mm-hmm. I agree. There definitely are personality differences, but that underlying drive is common. Um, so what education or experiential qualifications or even academic performance level do you feel is a requirement to get a job in consulting, specifically for a smaller firm? You know, I'm not going to lie, GPA really matters a lot to consulting firms. And the reason is not because GPA is somehow tied in any direct sense to career performance. It's just that a lot of people apply to consulting firms and there has to be a way to sort through the huge stack of resumes that come through all the time. Um, So the typical majors that we see are business engineering or computer science or engineering, one of those. Um, Although, you know, you will have English and history and uh, biology majors who come through as well. But typically someone who's not coming from a business or engineering or technology background is going to have done some sort of leadership development program or have done a certificate in business, have something else to kind of tack on and show some some business knowledge. And then in terms of experience, you know, I don't see a lot of people come into consulting who have worked in, you know, an industry for a significant period of time and then make the transition to consulting. We see the reverse of that very often. If you work in consulting for a while, pick an industry you like and then plug in there. Um, And I'm not really exactly sure why that is, that the reverse isn't true. But in terms of new hires, especially coming off of college campuses, you know, we're very aware that it's hard to get good experiences through a couple of internships in college. You don't really know what your major even is until your junior year. But typically, we try to look for a variety of experience, just with how flexible and the breadth of knowledge required, especially to work at a boutique consulting firm. We look for people who have strong performance in the classroom and then have a couple of really strong experiences, whether in leadership on campus, a couple of interesting internships, but, but preferably a blend of those. So, you know, even thinking back to when I was coming off of campus, I think some of the things that were helpful to me was that I had an internship in a supply chain type role with a semiconductor manufacturer. So that was more on the technology and the supply chain side. And then I was in leadership and several things on campus. And I think those showed that I had a little bit of breadth. Um, And something that can be a red flag is when somebody is only involved in one type of thing. You know, all of their clubs or all their internships are only in one field. And you really, in consulting, especially at a boutique firm, you can't pick your industry or even the type of project you're on very often. So you have to be flexible and like a lot of different things in order to be a good fit. Mm, Okay. What would you suggest someone do to get their foot in the door beyond just make sure that their resume looks kind of like what you just described? Is there anything in terms of networking that you feel really gives someone a leg up or if you just have a pristine resume, like you're good to go? You know, I would honestly, having a touch point in the organization is really important. Whether you can meet a recruiter at some sort of event or a consultant at an event, um, or you have, it doesn't even matter if it's an in-laws, cousin's, friend, works at a firm, 
you know, whatever you can do to get a personal connection in the firm is really important because we talk about it. There's a lot of different ways to talk about it, but you can call it the baseball test or whatever is, you know, is this person going to be somebody who I would feel comfortable to go and sit at a baseball game for four hours with and just chat? Because we do so much of that in consulting is, yes. you know, we're in a room together for days on end and you have to really like working with them. You have to trust that you could put that person in front of an executive on day one, like you had mm -hmm. in your consulting experience and that they aren't going to embarrass themselves. And so a resume says one thing, but you really have to have the personal side to cover the majority of what we do in a people type business. So um, I will warn against just sending random LinkedIn messages to somebody of, hey, I saw that you worked for this company and I'd like to work for this company because again, there's, there's still no personal connection there. So if you can find someone who can make an introduction for you, or if you can find some connection of, hey, we both went to the same school or we were both involved in the same organization, even as far back as high school, those are really helpful to, to build initial ties with somebody in the firm. Mm -hmm. Tap into that network. And if you, in your initial search, don't feel like you have any connections, dig deeper, ask people, make your requests known. And I bet some uncles, friend, coworkers, cousin, whatever, like they could help you out. And one thing that I felt was helpful is if you're still a student, go to all their on-campus recruiting events, like the happy hours, the career fairs, um, and whatnot. Really helps. Obviously, that would be a shoe-in to getting making a connection, and that's not to be underestimated. What you mentioned about are you someone that is pleasant to be around? I felt that um, sometimes with the high achievement expectation is that there might be um, this false idea going around that you also have to be like this extremely serious person that I'm just going to plow through all my work and you could trust me for that. But would I enjoy being around you? Like, can you build rapport with people? Because that rapport building is often the first step before anyone would even read your LinkedIn profile. Like, did you send a pleasant message <laughs> or read your resume, much less put it in front of someone who is a recruiting, uh, a part of the recruiting efforts? Um, so rapport building, being a pleasant person, it certainly matters. <laughs> uh, fun bonus question. Do you have a story or some certain connection that you feel like really pushed you over the top and got you the job? Uh, I've probably, if it had to be one thing during college, I, out of the blue, got a really cool opportunity to be part of an international case competition uh, for a consulting type project in Oslo, Norway. And one of the actual, one of my team members on that was Andrew Winker, who I know was on the podcast a while back. Yes, and, Andrew. And he's one of my, yeah, he's one of my good friends and big consulting firm. Uh, actually, all three of the other people on my consulting team ended up at big three uh, consulting firms. But I would say that piece of experience is what pushed me over the edge because, I mean, it's, it was a really interesting story to talk about getting to go to Norway for a case competition. It was very practically applicable to consulting. And I had some real frameworks and stories that I could tell that an interviewer could see, oh, this would actually fit with what we do. Um, 
And I think it just gave me a desire to be in consulting. Before I did that, I was a little bit on the fence of it sounds fun, but I don't really know what this would be like. And that gave me a lot of the vision for, oh, this is what it would look like on a day-to-day basis. Uh, And so that really just upped the ante for me in terms of my drive to want to work in consulting. So if I had to pick one thing, I think it would be that. Yeah, I remember watching y'all prepare for that for months and then finally get to go on the trip. And didn't your team win third or something? Yeah, we got third place. It was, I mean, it was just an incredible experience. I'll, I uh, i got to go back to Oslo a couple of years later and, and it was so fun walking through the same areas and just remembering, you know, all the anticipation and the emotions you feel, the nerves and the excitement all at the same time. But it was it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had for sure. That's amazing. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for sharing about your perspective and your experience in consulting. I've really enjoyed um, hearing about all that you had to share and appreciate it so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's such a joy to be on the podcast and just really appreciate you involving me. If anything about the career path featured in this episode piqued your interest, don't stop here. Take what you've learned, critically examine any follow-up questions you might have, and network to your heart's content to get the answers that you'd like, as well as make meaningful contacts with professionals in that industry that might be able to help you get your foot in the door. If you have a friend who would love all the detailed insider info shared in this episode, don't forget to pass this episode along to them so we could create a network of people who are empowered with the information they need to confidently make satisfying career decisions that allow them to serve in the station in society they were meant for. Thank you to everyone who has supported this labor of love known as the job library by leaving a rating and a written review of this podcast. It sincerely makes all the difference to a budding podcast like this one. If you'd like to support the show, just join in by tapping the stars to leave a really quick rating and better yet, write a few words to leave a written review and subscribe. I hope you enjoy the other Bingeable episodes now available to you in the Job Library series and tune in next Tuesday for a fresh batch of interviews with professionals in fascinating, unique, and influential positions. See you soon.